That one driven deep right field. Thank you, go. Gone for Morgan Chris. And Fitz Chamberlain. That ball. Going to the wall. Chamberlain the second for this first hit. Mounted second, going to third. For this first hit of the season. So, and the pitch. That one swung deep to left. And that one's gone! Savvy Seaman with a three-run shot. And the Warhawks take the lead. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Podcast on D-Shot. Um, episode two had Pat Miller. Episode three had Lance Leipold. Now we get to complete the trifecta as we got jo- John Vodenilich, the head baseball coach at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Uh, Vo, thanks for joining me today. You bet. D-Shot, good to see you. I see you again, too. Um, I'm going to start with kind of um, your thoughts on this year's squad. Um, you got Spear O'Sullivan, um, Hayden Fox, and uh, Weston Muir returning from the rot- rotation. Um, Matt O'Sullivan had five wins in 2019. Um, Muir and um, forgetting who the other – it was Amir and Spear were combined for 15 wins in 2019. Um, Santoro is kind of the big hitter coming back from that that team. Obviously, kind of just basing on on that season since you guys only played three games last year. What's yeah. the thought on on this year's team going into um, this shortened season? Yeah, we're very happy uh, where we're going. Um, we're working hard. Uh, we had a great off season. Um, as you know, things are quite a bit different these days, uh, but we were able to be very, very productive all fall uh, into the winter season. And um, we have a very mature team and a very capable team. But, uh, you know, one of the things that hurts hurts us a little bit and, and not just us, any, any team playing NCAA baseball, but, you know, when, when, you're, when you're gone off the field for a year, uh, it takes a little time for you to, to, to understand the game and play the game uh, the right way again. So uh, certainly we're prepared physically and mentally, but getting back on the, on the field and playing opponents uh, is a new thing to us. And I'm very happy how we did this, this past uh, doubleheader. Um, is it a little bit different this year? Obviously short, what's the difference between having the shortened season as opposed to typically you guys are usually headed to Florida around this time. Um, what's been the biggest difference? Yeah, we, we can't complain as far as uh, the number of games. We're, we're scheduled for 40 games, which is uh, the, the Division Three rule. Um, part of those games typically are played during our spring training. So we've had to uh, cancel that for the second year in a row. Uh, and that's a huge, huge opportunity for us. I mean, uh, being a northern school, being able to get south for a couple weeks is, is, is really a difference maker. Um, but you know, we can't control the pandemic. And, and so we're making the most of it. So second year in a row, we canceled the spring training, but we do have uh, 40 games uh, scheduled for the regular season. And we played our first two just a couple of days ago. Um, what's kind of the schedule outlook, obviously, because is it just conference games or what's kind of the deal there? Yeah, so we're playing all games against conference opponents. 28 of those games will be counted for league standings, and then the rest are considered non-conference games, but are against conference opponents. Um, that, that allowed us to stay consistent with, with testing, I think, 
um, because not all all the universities have equal testing capability. So um, so it's a it's a all league schedule, but 28 of them are going to count for for league standings. And then uh, we found out just just about a week ago that um, we are approved to play a conference tournament. All right. So um, my next question is, how have, how have things like practices and obviously the tryouts in the fall and even the throwout? Um, you guys have camps during kind of the um, like November, November around Thanksgiving, you guys typically yeah. have a camp December around Christmas. You guys typically have a camp. I've, I've helped out with a few of those, um, yeah. that one year. Um, how has that changed, um, during this pandemic? Well, we're happy, um, having camps period. And, uh, certainly the number that have been allowed to attend was drastically reduced. Um, but you know, we canceled several camps last March and those are our biggest camps. So uh, after having those canceled, we were happy to get camps back. Um, and like I said, uh, you know, of course, like all the, all the teams here, you take a hit because capacities are reduced um, and things like that. But um, we're just happy. We're just happy and, 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 you know, optimistic about where, where things are going. Um, so we're happy to have camps back. Um, we're very happy to have practice back. Uh, I think uh, all the coaches are just happy to be on the field with their with their student athletes. And uh, and now it looks like we're going to be able to have a, a full season outdoors. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of heartache, of course, but we're we're optimistic and happy that we can do uh, at least this. Did you have to do any like splitting up of any of the practices or anything like that? Yeah. We, we've tried to mitigate. Uh, you know, spread any way we can. Um, baseball is good for that. You know, I mean, you know, I, I feel bad for basketball and football because, you know, it's hard to, to split the lineup, so to speak. And, and for us, you know, the shortstop's distant from the second baseman who's distant from the third baseman. So uh, we've, we've done everything in our power to try to maintain some social distance, uh, maintain masks. Um, and then, you know, regular testing has been done well in our campus and, and I got to thank our chancellor and then our athletic director for that. Um, the WIC just announced kind of a attendance um, thing recently. What are your kind of initial thoughts on that? Like I said, um, if that was the attendance policy five years ago, I'd be pretty upset coming off of a pandemic, uh, knowing that, that the spread of the disease is still an issue. Um, my biggest concern going in was, are those parents going to be allowed to see their, their young sons play? And, and the answer is yes. Each student athlete has two, two tickets they can give to their family. And uh, we're very happy that, that they can come see their, their student athletes play. Uh, obviously, Whitewater accomplished a trifecta in 2014. All three head coaches were um, played for their predecessors, um, Miller playing for Dave Augie Vandermeulen and Leipold playing for Brez. Um, what what did you learn the most from playing and coaching alongside um, your predecessor and Jim Miller? Yeah, well, you know, our across the board, our our motto is powered by tradition. You've you've seen it, you've heard it. It's it's everywhere, right? And and um, you know, I I don't think tradition by its very nature. There's bad traditions too, you know. So um, I think what I learned from Mills is that tradition matters, and there's a certain way we go about our business. Uh, to, to make sure we have a strong tradition. The first thing I learned was that he, when I started working with him, he basically knew everyone personally 
that had ever played that was that was living that had ever played for Warhawk baseball. That's pretty impressive. I mean, he he knew someone who played in the fifties and sixties and seventies, um, and he knew them personally. And when you have those type of relationships, I think good things follow. Uh, Mills was definitely a relationship man. Uh, he he believed that that was his number one kind of calling. And uh, so you know, I'm certainly different than than he was, and not capable like like he was. But you know, we're trying to maintain that tradition, uh, knowing everyone. This morning, I was fortunate enough to to see Mike DeLott, who, who played uh, in the late 60s and uh, early 70s. So he stopped out at the clubhouse to say hi. So th those are the types of relationships that I, I, was, I was taught to uh, value. Um, and I, I think if I, if I learned anything from Mills, uh, I learned that the relationships are the key. What's your favorite story, um, if you want to talk about one about Mills? Boy, um, there's all kinds of good stories. I'll give you. I know. I know. There's one about the. Was there? A, I've heard about the whole like. Oh, him. Him and Brezowitz trying to. Uh, was it like, get the field dry? Oh yeah, that 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 was an easy one. I mean, you know, back in the day when we had a a, a natural field, um, the old timers and I'm including Bob Brezowitz in on that and Jim Miller, um, they would burn the field. All right, and so you know you'd first you know, litter the field with, with gas. And then you'd actually set a match to it. And uh, the idea was the heat of the fire would somehow dissipate the, the, the moisture in the ground. And, and so that happened multiple times when I was a player, anyone who played, I would say prior to 89, 89 and earlier understood what, what was going on there. And, uh, Bob Breswitz was really the engineer of that and Mills was his counterpart. So that's a great story. Um, you know, if you had Lance on here, he'd tell you about how uh, he was, he was actually an assistant baseball coach for a year um, as well for Mills. And uh, when he asked Mills, you know, what his job was, Mills says, you're the play catch coach. And Lance said, play catch coach. What are you talking about? Mills says, every time they go down the line to play catch, I need you there paying attention. So, um, so yeah, I was actually coached by Lance, uh, you know, in his, in his first year as, the baseball coach and, and I appreciate that but I mean those kind of things happen a lot uh, one time he back in the day when we would travel he never wanted to give his per diem money out to the athletes prior to the time they needed it and and that was a good idea because you know a plane ride to California would end up with people playing cards or something like that so so Mills would always hold the money and one year unfortunately he forgot he forgot the whole money bag in at the uh, airport and uh, we, we rented the vans and he left it on the desk. So after about 20 minute drive, he, he, he found out and remembered that. It, and we had to turn around the vehicles, go back and get it. And, and fortunately for all of us, the money was still there. So yeah, there's, we could sit here all day. Mills, Mills was a great man. Um, we talk a lot about the things, you know, like that, that happened that, that, you know, that are memorable, but certainly on a day in and day basis, uh, you know, the relationship we had with Mills was, was really what it was about. All right. I'm going to switch hands to um, somebody else, obviously to somebody from somebody that you played for to somebody that you played with that I'm curious about. Um, you were a college teammate uh, with uh, Bob Wickman. Um, yeah. What was he like as a teammate at Whitewater and how are you, um, how proud are you to say that you played with an MLB closer? Yeah. So, so Bob was, um, you know, he was, he was a very, very talented young man. I mean, and he came here uh, in my mind really 
because of Bill Wickman, his brother. And, uh, you know, if you're from Abrams, Wisconsin, you go wherever your older brother tells you to go. And because of that, we fortunately got two great players, two great people. And, you know, Bob, uh, um, you know, always had a good, I always had a good relationship with Bob and, and uh, you know, never once felt like, you know, he was, he was above us or, or that he, he, you know, was, was such a great player that we couldn't communicate with him. Uh, certainly if you asked him, he would tell you he was, he was, he was going to go, go to the show. And uh, anyone at the time would be like, I don't know, it's not that easy, but I, I saw a switch happen in Bob when he got drafted. Um, you know, he was pretty serious about what he was tending to, you know, and he developed tremendously between his junior year in high college and his first years in pro baseball. I mean, it was, it was fun to watch still very uh, close to the program. We appreciate all the support and, and, and his friendship. So it's a pretty cool deal. Um, and I think he's doing well. I think he's coaching again uh, in river Valley. So uh, he's a baseball person and he should be uh, in the game. Certainly. Um, I'm going to switch it over to um, since Lake Bocker is kind of a top 30 prospect with the Padres. Um, how, pr how proud are you of Lake um, and what he's accomplished as a, in the Padres organization? Yeah, man, I, Lake, Lake is a, a, a person that everyone loves. I mean, I, I don't know anyone who doesn't like Lake. He's unassuming. He's hardworking. He's a quality young man. Um, started, you know, football first here. And uh, I knew he could pitch because his high school coach thought the world of him. And, uh, and we just kind of left the door open for him. And when he finally decided to come on out, uh, he, he quickly became one of our top pitchers and a high round pick. And, um, you know, there's, there's people in this life that you, you root for and there's others that maybe you root against because of how they are and who they are. Uh, Lake's a guy that you want to root for. And, and I do it every day. I wake up and I, probably a day doesn't go by that you don't think of the impact he made on our program, but also um, how deserving he is of, of hopefully playing major league baseball soon. How did, how did that kind of happen where you ended up get him, getting him on the team that year? Obviously Lance had just left. Did Lance ever kind of like say he had to focus on football or did he just, or how much, what, what kind of. Always says that just like I always say, you need to focus on baseball. So um, Lance and I always had a good relationship and, and we really respected the fact that he was a football coach first and I was a baseball coach first. And, and we never had very many issues like that. Um, I, I think, you know, from the time he walked on the campus, he knew the opportunity was always there to pitch. All right. And play for us. Um, but I think like so many young men, um, they're not ready to just do two at the college level. This isn't, this isn't high school. I mean, it's, it's challenging. And even the highest and best athlete at high school has to work very hard to play even one sport uh, in college. So I think for, for Lake, it was one of those things, getting comfortable on the football team. Um, and then once he was comfortable there and felt like he had established himself, um, he was confident that he could transition to our side. And, and he, he made an immediate impact for us. Uh, so, you know, I don't know the discussions he had with with Lance, but certainly those that relationship, me, Lance and Lake was always a good one. OK, um, you've won two national championships as head coach at Whitewater. Um, what's your favorite moment from from both of those? Boy, um, well, I don't know if I have a favorite moment. I can tell you something I've I've realized from that is that there's a lot of great teams that weren't 
winning national championships. We got close a lot. And so it's not as easy as everyone thinks. Um, so, so I, I, I set expectations less than I ever did um, because I, I don't know if I felt 05 was going to do it right away or, or, or uh, 14 certainly. Um, so I, I don't, I don't set artificial expectations on teams anymore. I just let them become who they can become. And uh, a lot of times it turns out to some really quality teams. Five was, was, was a really cool team. Uh, you know, very mature team, uh, great chemistry, a lot of big names on that team. And then 14 was a team that really struggled late. Um, you know, as late as three quarters of the season, it really had kind of a, uh, had to reinvent ourselves. And, and uh, once again, a lot of quality young men that, that made major impacts. So uh, when I think of those two teams, the commonalities, I think, are, are the chemistry that each of the players or the, the players had among themselves and, and, and the leadership. And there's, there's just, and there are just hardcore, mentally tough men. Uh, certainly there was probably more talented teams um, but not more mentally talented teams. They were they were strong mentally, and, and I think that ultimately is why we won the titles. Okay. Um, I'll add in my favorite um, from that year, obviously call, calling the, the nine-inning game on radio, J.P. Fireisen um, pitching, and then um, the 13-inning game on TV right after. And then my not-so-great moment is uh, Gonzo up to the plate against lacrosse and randomly saying, oh, let's see if he can hit a home run like his girlfriend on the softball team. And then all of a sudden, Gonzo hits a home run. Um, but I'm going to transition to you. I want to know um, about a certain opportunity you had if, if uh, people don't know about Vo. And I didn't know this until I gra- graduated college and looked up the who's on the who's in this movie. Um, is that you're in Mr. 3000 as an Astros catcher and you actually get um, some close-ups in the movie. Um, how did that opportunity um, come about and just start? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's been a long time ago and definitely overplayed back then. So you're bringing up a memory from years ago, but um, the, the, the long and the short of it is uh, I came home uh, to my wife and my young daughter and there was a lot of stuff in the news about these tryouts for this, this baseball movie. Um, the last time a movie had been filled of filmed about baseball in the area was, was major league, which was kind of a, a real old movie, but anyway, so it was on the news every day. And, you know, they were, they were soliciting baseball people to come out and try out. And I had no intentions of going. I mean, that's not something I wanted to do. I was focused on trying to coach and, and, um, you know, be a family guy. So, but my, my wife had convinced my daughter that, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in this movie. And my daughter was convinced that was going to happen. Right. And, and I think at the time she might've been about three, um, three or four. So, um, so anyway, I, I, I said, all right, if you want me to go, I'll go to the interview, I'll go to the tryouts, but that's it. And, uh, I remember, uh, Jay Wyshynski, a former Warhawk, who's now the head coach at Whitefish Bay and I, we went and he kind of said, yeah, I'll go with you. We're waiting this long line. So we waited in this huge line and uh, it was like, you know, any movie that you would ever see where, where just there's a lot of people wanting to make it and there's a lot of people that clearly shouldn't be there. 
All right. So I think I, I saw that from some Journal Times article is when somebody what, was saying. Yeah. So there's a guy behind us two or three rows back and he has he has a Magic Johnson Laker, Lakers gear on. So he has the 32 jersey and shorts and he has his cleats strapped over his shoulder. And, and not to say he couldn't be a, a baseball guy, but he's certainly coming in like that was not a baseball guy. I mean, we, that was clear. So, so there was a lot of people that were just randomly wanting to try to make it. Maybe they loved baseball at some time, but really what they were looking for is a, a high caliber athlete that could look the part. And fortunately for me, um, one of the consultants on the film was a head coach down in UW Milwaukee. So when I walked up, you know, and they said, Hey, you know, do you know this guy? And, and uh, Coach Duffick's like, yeah, he's a baseball guy through and through. So I made it through the first cut. And then the second cut, I actually had to get back on the field and uh, start playing the game again. And, and you know, once again, I, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of luck in, in life. And, and that, was, that was a lucky, lucky thing. And then the third piece was they, they offered me a speaking part, which eventually got cut out of the film. But for one day, I was, a, I was part of the, you know, Screen Actors Guild Union. And I uh, had a SAG card and got some residual dollars from the movie, um, which was really neat. And uh, I met a lot of good people there. Met my pitching coach then for the last, you know, couple of years after that, Doug Henry, who was a former brewer. He was in that film. Um, and I met a great, great uh, bunch of guys, Bernie Mac being one of them. Unfortunately, as you know, he died. So he was always good to the people working in his films. And, and uh, so the experience was amazing. It was a great experience for me. Um, but, you know, it was a one in a lifetime type of thing. What, what do you remember from kind of just filming that in general? Um, well, I, I remember that, that, you know, the movies make everyone look pretty good because, because Bernie could not play, man. I mean, he was, and he knew it, um, but he worked his butt off. I mean, he had a hitting coach and he worked on having as good a swing as possible, but there's a, there's a scene in the movie that I love, um, Bernie Mac hits a home run. So you can just find out the, the one scene where Bernie Mac hits a home run. Um, and, and when you see it, it looks legit, but I know I can tell you that the ball barely made it over the second baseman's head. All right. So, so what they're able to do in the movie, it uh, was amazing to me, everything from the slow motion to how they set up things and the lighting and things of that nature. So um, yeah, Bernie Mac, uh, that was him and it worked out pretty good. Come on in and say hi to D shot. Here's uh Assistant coach Bartline. What's up, Bartline? How are you doing? Doing good, man. How are you doing? Yeah. Good. Where are you working these days? Um, just trying to find another journalism job. So all right. So well, good. Stay on it. Yeah. So anyway, um, what else you want to talk about? Um, the other thing about that I wanted to kind of say is what do Sam and Emma think about that movie now or anybody that you're that's played for you or I don't think very many of them know I'm in the movie. And even if they, I don't, I don't think very many of them have ever seen the movie. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's mm. it, time, time passes by pretty quickly in our program. I mean, when you think about it, uh, I guess that would have been like a, I don't know, 2003, 2004 movie, maybe. I think so. You know, I'm, from my memory, I, I think that's the timing of it. Um, that's a long time ago. I mean, that's almost 20 years ago. So so some of these guys weren't even born, D-Shock. You know what I mean? That that goes to tell you how old you are. Yeah. And yet yeah. alone, I had a copy of that throughout college and didn't know you were in it. And then I was like, had to get you to autograph it. Um, yeah. 
Well, we'll end this on a little bit of a fun one because I'm just curious. Um, I threw this one in there. Can you name all 30 MLB stadiums? No, not a chance. Not even close. Okay. Can't even get close to that one, but I have been trying to get to as many as I can. You know, the names are always tough because just like Miller Park has just changed, uh, the names always change. Um, but I could tell you my favorite parks, uh, Fenway's cool. Um, I've been both at the old and the new Yankee Stadium. Love that. Um, got to meet uh, Cal Ripken Jr. when I visited uh, Camden Yards, which was awesome. Um, if you ever go to that stadium, you get to, you also can do a walk where they show you where uh, Babe Ruth lived because uh, he was a, he was a Baltimore guy. Um, so I love those. Pittsburgh, maybe one of my all-time faves. I mean, that, that's a great stadium, great area around it. Um, really like that. Wrigley is cool. Had a, had a group of Europeans come to Wrigley and I asked them, I said, all right, you've been to Wrigley, the historic Wrigley field. Um, what do you remember most about it? And uh, I thought they would say the ivy or the rooftops, but instead they said the latrines, the urinals, because they're basically troughs. All right. And so, so uh, we got this whole group of Europeans that, that are going to remember Miller, Miller Park for the bath or uh, Wrigley for the bathrooms. Uh, Miller Park's a cool stadium, very similar to the one in Arizona. Love that. Um, so, you know, been to Bush Stadium, all those. I, I mean, the thing I love about it, and anyone who's listening that, you know, maybe is only a little bit of a baseball fan, I can tell you this. The cool thing of, of baseball stadiums is they are all very unique. There's, there's not two of them that are the same, not in dimensions, not in how they set it up. And that's part of really the tradition of the game. I mean, you know, there's, um, I don't remember what the pesky pole at Fenway is, but it's about 302 down the line. Right. So those are the things that that make this this game really cool. And I think it also if you're visiting and traveling, if there's a baseball field near you, stop and see it, because I think each of them is very unique. And like I said, there's other other stadiums I've been to. But um, um, those are some of the ones that stick in my mind. Okay, about a favorite baseball moment or favorite Brewers moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably the, it's not a Brewers moment, although the Brewers were playing. It was for me, it was a, a I was in, um, I guess it would have been game five. The Brewers were playing the Diamondbacks uh, in the playoffs. Um, fortunately, um, the owner of the, the Lakeshore Chinooks hooked me up with some great tickets and I was able to go with my son, Sam. And he was very young at the time. And of course, uh, we won the game and confetti dropped and, it was a great moment. It was a great sports moment, but it was even great, greater moment for me as a father because I was able to spend that with my son. So, um, yeah. Is that the sure Niger that, Morgan base at the center to score Gomez? Yeah, I, I think maybe CC Sabathia was pitching, but I don't, I don't remember specifically, but I, I think that would have been the, the game. I know we had Niger, so, um, yeah, that was a pretty good, good ending. I think it was game five we won against the Diamondbacks and, and you know, one of our – one of our alums, uh, Eric Baldwin, who's who's a professional gambler in Vegas, um, he's a huge Diamondbacks fan. So um, when we beat him, it was a cool, cool, cool moment for both of us. So, I guess how much do, with obviously connecting the Brewers to this, um, how much do you keep in touch with Craig Sean, who's uh, the Fox Sports Wisconsin pregame host? Yeah. Yeah. Not as much as I'd like. 
um, he's, he's been awesome. And, and, um, you know, the other announcer there, um, Sophia, she, she used to do WIC stuff early in her career and has, has earned an opportunity to be at the, you know, national spotlight. Um, but the person that I, I probably value the most in the Brewers organization is a former outfielder by the name of Jim Bafey. Uh, Jim's been a loyal employee for the Brewers for a long, long time. And uh, he's been just as loyal for us. So, um, yeah, we're, we're really happy with him. So, and, and when I get to a game, I try to see him. Okay. Um, let's just send it on. What's your favorite thing about um, coaching at Whitewater? The tradition. I mean, the people that I've played with. I mean, I, I, I kind of took over where Mills left off. And I never played with a guy like Jim Bathey. I never played with Blake Elliott or Tim Patterson or, or, or any of those guys. And, and, but now I know him and I consider him friends. So, um, and then I, if you go back, you know, a guy named Danny Anderson, and, and I mean, the list goes on and on today, Mike Bilot, I already mentioned that. So um, for me, it's the relationships we've built throughout the years that are, that are very unique and special to Whitewater and Warhawk baseball. So that's what I love most about it. And, um, you know, and those, those relationships, um, you know, are really what feed me and um, make me, make me work. So. All right. Thanks Vo, for, uh, all right. For joining me and thanks Good everybody shot. for listening. Go Keep Hawks. Grinding, Keep grinding. All right. See ya. Yep. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Podcasts on D-Shot. Feel free to give any of the other episodes a listen, as a lot of them have some great, exciting content, as well as some great interviews. Don't forget to give my Facebook page a like, Daniel Shotler Journalist, as well as give me a follow on Twitter or Instagram at dshot1992. Don't forget to subscribe if you're on Google Podcasts or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find this. And hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening and have a good day.